0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Seacoast Church. My name is Josh Surratt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited about the opportunity to just be with you guys today. I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online uh, or at one of our locations. I especially want to give a shout out to our Manning campus. Uh, Many of you may not know we have a campus in Manning, South Carolina. Pastor Jim Fleming and their family and the crew at Manning are awesome. In fact, he invited us out to his farm a couple months ago to go hunting, and so I went out to the farm. Uh, wasn't able to kill anything. Um, but what I did find out is that on the fence that kind of surrounds his farm, it's what they call hot. And um, if you want to know what happens when you straddle that fence, my brother Jason has a story to tell <laughs> about that. But, um, but we love you guys at Manning. In fact, with all of our campuses, let's give it up for our Manning campus and just make them feel <laughs> welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm glad you guys are here as well. Hey, I have a question for you. Have you ever had a chance encounter that changed the course of your life forever. Like just something, kind of a random chance encounter that changed everything. I know I've had several uh, in my life. Some of them weren't so good. Like I had a chance encounter with a timeshare salesman that impacted my finances poorly for the next couple of years, but I'm over it. We've kind of put that to bed and we're done. Uh, one time I was in the mountains in Tennessee and I had a chance encounter with a bear And it had a very detrimental impact on the outfit that I was wearing that day. But otherwise, I came through pretty much unscathed. But one of of my my favorite, though, a good chance encounter I had, it happened on February the 14th, 1998 in Boone, North Carolina. I was just, uh, just finished high school. I was a freshman in college and 18 years old. I had just recently committed my life to Christ about maybe three, four months earlier and the youth pastor invited me to come share my testimony. I said, I don't know that I can do that. I've never done that before. He said, well, you can ski for free. If you, I said, I'll do it, whatever, just I'm there. And so I went, we're skiing. I was with some friends and I got down to the bottom of the mountain and I looked around and all my friends were gone. Apparently they had taken a, a, a stop off somewhere along the way. And so I skied up into the line to the ski lift and I happened to ski up next to a beautiful blonde headed girl. Uh, who was single and I was single at the time. So this was a positive thing. This was a good chance encounter. And um, it got even better a couple of minutes later. We got on the lift and uh, heading up the mountain. All of a sudden the ski lift kind of stops and this beautiful single girl who's sitting next to me kind of reaches out and grabs my knee and I'm like, hey baby, I, I got you now, come on. We're gonna be okay, I- I'm gonna care for you, I'm gonna love on you and she would tell the story probably a little bit differently. Uh, but. The good news is she's not single anymore. She became my wife and we've been married now for 12 years. Um, Thank you. And we have, uh, actually she's here and it's her birthday. So happy St. Patty's Day. Happy birthday, babe. She loves that. Um, But we've got two kids. We've got a a five-year-old and a three-year-old and we've uh, got another one that's coming in July. We're excited to welcome into our home and uh, I, I was thinking about that this week, though, this chance encounter. I'm thinking, I wonder how my kids are going to feel one day when they find out that their very existence is a result, really direct result, of an incompetent ski lift operator in Boone, North Carolina. But hopefully they'll be okay, because it was a good thing. And many of you have had a similar story. If you're married, chances are there was a chance encounter somewhere along the way. You just happened to be going to the same school, or you just happened to be at the same restaurant, or at the same bar, or wherever it was that you met, or uh, maybe you just happen to be sitting next to this person in church, and and you know you met them, and something cool happened. And in fact, there are some of you that are single today, and you're wondering, am I having a divine appointment right now? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and let's find out? I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. It'd be awkward. But so, sometimes these divine appointments change our entire life, right? And then sometimes though, they're just uh, divine appointments that may change a moment or may help us get through a day. Maybe someone said just the right word at just the right time and it gave you that encouragement that you needed to, to kind of get through the day or, or maybe you, you're having a, a, a tough time financially and someone came alongside at just the right time and, and gave you a, a financial gift that, that kind of reminded you that God's in control and it kind of changed your outlook maybe on your situation. I was thinking about that and I, I wonder, how, how would you like to be that chance encounter for someone else? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, how, how would you like for someone to say that, man, I randomly ran into so-and-so and, and it drastically changed the rest of my life? You know, that we would be that chance encounter for other people that would help change their direction. You know, I believe that that's actually God's plan for each and every one of us, that we call ourselves Christ followers. If, if we follow Christ, that he, he has set up these chance encounters and he wants us to be that for the people that we interact with. In fact, Jesus' life, if you look back through the Gospels, was just a series of chance encounters, wasn't it? I mean, there were these interruptions and moments that happened that uh, on, the, on the surface, they just seemed kind of random, but Jesus took advantage of those moments and he would end up bringing in a healing that would change someone's life or, or, or a word that would change somebody's life. And, and here's what Jesus said in John fourteen twelve. He said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, those that come behind me, my disciples, those that are here at Seacoast Church, whatever campus they're in, they're gonna do greater things. They're gonna have these moments. They're gonna be those chance encounters. You know, right now we're closing out a series that's called Make Room and it's been awesome. We've had tons of small groups meeting throughout uh, our cities and tons of people connecting in community. And we've been talking about this story for six weeks this story found in Second Kings chapter 4 about the Shunammite woman. And it's this woman who had a chance encounter that drastically changed her life and changed the lives of the people around her. And one of the things I love about this story, and we've been doing this for six weeks, the woman doesn't even have a name. The Bible doesn't even tell, tell us what her name is. How many of you know, you turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. See, this is an incredible story, it's, it's not about her, but it's about the story of what God did in and through her because she had a chance encounter with, with a, a man of God named Elisha. And the premise of this series is that you can't make God move, but you can make room for God to move. In other words, you can't twist God's arm and go, God, God you're gonna do this, you're gonna make this happen for me, but you can create margin, you can create space, you can make room for God to move in our lives. And I love that because that's kind of the story of this church, you know, and and the cool things that have happened at Seacoast. It's not because someone forced God's hand, but it's just a matter of people like you and me going, let's just make room and see what happens. And God has moved mightily over the years. And and here's the deal. We're gonna close out this series this week. uh, And I wanna kind of recap a little bit, review a little bit of the story of this Shunammite woman. And then I wanna tell you how the story ends, which is really cool and fascinating, something I never really noticed until recently. And we're gonna talk about what it would look like for us to make room for mission in our lives. What do I mean by mission? Well, I looked it up online. Uh, all things online are true. And it says, mission is defined as a specific task or duty assigned to a person or group of people. A specific task or duty. What was Jesus' mission? Here it is, Luke 19:10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what Jesus was about, is to seek and save those who are lost. People who are lost in, in life, people who are trying to figure out their way. Jesus came to do that. And as followers of Christ and people who are called to, to kind of go and do as he did, our mission is to seek and to save the lost. We don't save people, but we introduce them to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's the, the, the goal of our church. So if you're a Christ follower, you're a missionary. That may be tough for you to swallow. You don't have to go to Africa, but you're a missionary, all of us are. So let's, let's see what we can learn from this story on how, how to make room for mission, the first thing is this. People who make room for mission expect divine appointments. It's expect divine appointments. I love it in Second Kings 4.8. It says, one day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come, come to her home for a meal. Now, that's kind of the first verse of this entire series. And I was thinking about that. I wonder how many people interacted with Elisha when he came through Shunem. I mean, I imagine there were probably others, maybe dozens, maybe even hundreds, I don't know, but people that inter- interfaced with him and he came into the town. But for her, she recognized when she met this man that there's something going on here. There's something divine about this appointment. God, God's up to something here. And so she engages in it, right? And, and she says, hey, I wanna invite you over to my home. And, and I wonder how many times we run into people throughout the course of our lives and, and we don't really recognize that God's up to something because we're not expecting divine appointments. And for this woman, it was huge. I mean, have you guys ever had a relationship that you, you, maybe you met a new friend and you just sort of knew that there was something significant about that friendship, something bigger than what meets the eye was going on. And that's what happened for her. Because she invites this guy into her home and her and her husband uh, have a meal, have him over for a meal. And then she, you know, I want to make a room for him. And so she, you guys remember the story, she actually builds a room on the roof of her house and says, anytime you come to town, you stay here and you're welcome to be here. And, and that divine appointment ends up being really significant for her because she's a woman who struggled with infertility, had never been able to have a child. And, and Elisha, over time, he kind of realizes that something's going on there. And so he says, you're going to have a child. And he speaks and she be becomes pregnant. She has this boy. And then the boy's growing up and, and the boy dies, gets a headache out in the field and he just dies. And, and so she, I love what she does there. She takes this boy because she, she didn't want to ask for this, right? She, the, the man of God speaks this and So she takes this boy up and she sits this boy in Elisha's room, uh, lays him down on Elisha's bed. And then she goes back to uh, Elisha and she says, this is your problem. You're the one that did this. I didn't ask for this, you fix it. And I I empathize with Elisha a little bit here because I'm a pastor. He's a man of God, I'm a man of God. And and I know that sometimes in situations like that, Elisha does what sometimes pastors do. He just starts trying stuff. He's like, "I, I don't know what to do. So he's like sends his servant Gehazi, says, why don't you go? And you're gonna pray for her, lay a staff on, on this boy, and, and he's gonna be re- resurrected. And, and the servant comes back, and Elisha's like, tell me the good news. And he's like, mm, did, no, didn't happen. And so he's like, all right, well, let's, let's try something else. So he goes, and, and he prays for this guy, this boy, and nothing happens. And then it starts getting weird. He lays down, you guys remember Pastor Greg talked about this. He lays down on this boy. I'm thinking mom's freaking out right now, going, all right, I got it, I'll handle this. Thank you for trying And still nothing, it says, the Bible says the boy's body warmed up a little bit, probably because he had a grown man laying on top of him. And so Elisha gets up and then he just starts pacing. Have you ever done that? Where you're just, you know, trying to figure things out, he's pacing. I don't know what's going on, God, what are we doing here? And then he tries, he goes in and lays on the boy again. And all of a sudden this boy sneezes seven times and comes back to life. And I read that and maybe it's because I'm a pastor. like, sometimes you just gotta try things, you know? Uh, I'll have a couple come in and the marriage is struggling and it's like, all right, here's what we're gonna do, Lord. Help me out here. I want you to look each other in the eye and I want you to repeat after me and we're gonna pray and Lord, something. Ha- and usually he shows up and something happens. But, but this was a divine appointment, as you can tell, for this Shunammite woman. Her entire life has changed as a result of this friendship. And, and when we are on mission, we're supposed to be expecting divine appointments. We start to see people differently. We start to see our circumstances differently. We recognize that Psalms 37 And verse 23 is actually written about us. Here's what it says, it says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. We start to realize maybe God has placed me here in the town that I live, in the neighborhood that I live, in the job that I'm in for a reason, for a purpose that maybe goes beyond what I can see. I want you to hear the story of a guy who was on the receiving end of a divine appointment that drastically changed his life for the better.
1: It was a normal Thursday working at T-Bone's restaurant downtown. I was working the morning shift, had come in, done my prep work, and was going about my day as usual. I was scheduled to be off at 4 p.m., but one of my coworkers asked me if I could pick up her evening shift, and so I did. The manager told me I'd be working a party of 30 people and they'd be here around nine o'clock. So I prepped my area and waited for the party to show up. As people started trickling in, I immediately noticed that they seemed to be having an awesome time. Everyone seemed like great friends and they were having a lot of fun together, which for me at that time in my life was weird because to have fun with other people meant drugs and alcohol was involved. And that definitely wasn't the case with these people. As I started taking their orders, I again noticed they were different than most of my normal customers. They didn't just want to tell me what it was that they wanted to eat, but they seemed genuinely interested in getting to know who I was. By the end of the night, almost everyone was calling me by my first name And five or six people told me about this thing called the well, which is where everyone had come from earlier in the night. They told me that it met every week and I should definitely check it out. Now what these people didn't know is that I was in a really bad place in my life at that point in time. I was looking for something and I didn't even know what it was so I was lost and I was confused. But as the night ended I can vividly remember that these people were different in a good way and I wanted to experience what it was that they experienced, whatever it was that that was. So I decided I was going to check out this thing called the well. Now it took me a couple weeks to go, but when I finally did in December of 2008, my life was completely changed. I can't tell you what was preached about and I can't tell you what worship songs we sang that night, but I can tell you that on December 11th of 2008, I began a relationship with Jesus and it completely changed the trajectory of my life. It's now five years later, I'm employed at Seacoast Church and I get to oversee the very ministry that God used to change my life. And in the past six months, we've seen 79 college and 20-somethings, just as lost as I was and just as confused as I was, begin a relationship with Jesus. And I can honestly say that without those people coming to my restaurant in 2008, I would not be where I am today. Because of the way they treated me and because of their simple invitation, my life has been completely changed.
0: is that cool? Now, if you're, if you're wondering about Wes's lame attempt at a beard, he's being on mission. He's in the thorn. He's trying to grow it out. It's not working real well for him, but he's, he's doing his best. But, but I love his story because it's just a story of some people who were on mission. Who decided to that maybe their dinner was about more than just dinner. And I wonder what it would look what what, what what would change for us if we really saw ourselves and woke up every day expecting to experience divine appointments throughout the day. I wonder how that might change the, the restaurants that we go to, maybe even after church today, if, if you realize that maybe the mission of restaurant wasn't just to to get your food and hang out with your friends, but maybe there's more going on. I ate a couple of weeks ago with a seacoaster. We went up to, out to eat, and I thought that my mission was just to encourage him, uh, hang out with him, get to know him a little bit better, hopefully uh, share some truth with him. And we got to the restaurant, and he realized right away that there was more going on, that there was a divine appointment happening. And I was, even, I was oblivious to it. But he started talking to our server, asked her who she was, what her name was, and he realized that she was, learned that she was new to town. She was a single mom uh, with two kids, and, and she didn't have a church home. And so he just shared his, a little bit of his faith and he said, man, you gotta find a church home. There's great churches, invite her to come to church. And she walked away and I was like, dude, I didn't even, you're, you're amazing. I had no idea, but he was expecting a divine appointment. And I don't know if she came or not, but I know that he was a part of her journey that day. I wonder how it might change our work environments if we just expected divine appointments. You know, if we showed up to work wondering, God, where do you wanna use me? Understanding that like Wes, there's probably more going on then we can see that, that people are, are dealing with. And, and if we just said, God, I want, to, I want you to use me. Maybe it's to share my faith. Maybe it's just to be an encouragement to somebody to, to, to say something that may help change their outlook on their day. I wonder how it might change those of us that are in school. I know many of you here and at the campuses are in high school or college. Maybe you're a senior uh, and you're a senior at a mission field that, that's called Wando High School or, or maybe the College of Charleston or, or University of South Carolina, we all know that's a mission field, right? Um, but but what, what, if, what if it wasn't just about graduating? I mean, what, what if your mission wasn't just about getting a degree or a diploma at the end of the day? What if, what if you really expected that you're gonna experience divine appointments that these next few months may be the last time that you ever interact with certain people that you're around right now? And maybe, maybe God has ordered your steps for such a time as this and that you would experience divine appointments and be able to share your faith or your hope with people. You know, I was reading a statistic this week, uh, teenage suicide, the rate of teenage suicide is just through the roof right now. Maybe God has put you in a place and he's given you a relationship with Christ so that you could be a hope and and, and a light for somebody in your school. You know, I know I often go to the grocery store and my my mission at the grocery store is to get whatever lease is written down on this piece of paper as quickly as I possibly can. And if I have kids with me to, to leave with the same number of kids that I came with, right? I mean, that's just, and that's a, that's a pretty, pretty big task most of the time. But, but what if it was more than that, you know? I mean, what if there was a divine appointment in that cash register, cashier, or, or another person shopping? What if we just saw our life differently because we knew that we're, we're people who are on mission? And when we're on mission, we're gonna expect divine appointments. What would it take to remind you of that? Daily, that, that you're on mission. You know, I was thinking about that. I got this wedding ring uh, on my finger and uh, this wedding ring that came off during the 9.30 service, but I had a little breakfast between. It's not wanting to come off now, uh, but it's right there. You see it? When I got married, this ring didn't make me married, right? I mean, it wasn't like this was this, but the pastor, when he when he ex, we kind of exchanged rings, he said, I want you to wear this daily as a reminder of, of the vows that you took. And so every day I have this reminder And all the single ladies have a reminder that I'm taking, I'm off the market, right? But I wonder what it would take to remind us that we're on mission, that we would just wake up. I mean, it could be as simple as a note card that you write out that says, hey, expect divine appointments, and you stick it on your your dashboard just to remind you that you're on mission. Maybe it's a prayer that you pray. I mean, how would it change your day if you woke up every morning and just really earnestly prayed and said, God, would you remind me or, or show me anything that I might miss today? any place that you might be working behind the scenes so that I don't miss a divine appointment. You know, we put a reminder in all of your chairs that you saw when you came in. Uh, there's this little card and it's simply an invitation. And, and, and mission is about a lot. It's, it's not only about inviting people to church, but that's a huge part of it because we're, this Easter, we're gonna have an incredible Easter service. We're calling it Made for More. Uh, that, that, that Jesus died and he rose again, not so that we could just survive life, not so that we could just kind of limp through it and just complain and be but he he died so that we could live life abundantly. And we're gonna talk about that on Easter. We're gonna talk about what it would look like to, to live a life that was meant for more, made for more. And it's gonna be an incredible, clear, as best as we know how presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what if for the next couple of weeks you just carry these around in your purse or whatever, brought them in your car, and just prayed, Lord, would you show me divine appointments? And, and if, you, if you lead me in the right way, remember, I can't make God move. I'm not gonna force, I'm not gonna start speaking in the King James and acting all weird around people. But if you were to just show me that you're at work in someone's life, I'm just gonna tear this off and I'm gonna invite them to church, make an invitation. It's a simple, simple reminder. But what would it take to remind you that you're on mission? Because people who make room for mission expect that they're gonna experience some divine appointments from time to time. A second thing that happens when we're on mission is that we respond in faith. People who are making room for mission respond in faith. Let's go back to the Shunammite woman. See, it started with an idea. I imagine she had this interaction and she thought in her head, I'll bet it would be a good idea to to make a room, to, to put a room in our house for this guy. But you know what? That idea that she had isn't why her story is recorded in, in the Bible, and we're still talking about it thousands of years later, it was the fact that she responded in faith to that idea. She, she actually said something to her husband, and they took action on that because people who make room for mission learn to respond in faith. I was thinking about this church. You know, thousands and thousands of people have been impacted and have made decisions for Christ in the 25 years here, and, and that didn't all happen because one day Pastor Greg, our senior pastor, had a, a, an idea, a good idea, and thought, I'm just going to start a church. Obviously, it started with that. But but where really the rubber met the road is when he moved his family 2,000 miles across the country and when he kind of gathered a team and, and sort of mortgaged his whole financial situation on this church and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step of faith. And as a result, we've seen so many people because we made room for God to move. See, lives don't get changed by great ideas. Lives get changed by radical faith, people that respond in faith. I love... Uh, James one twenty two. I also hate it because it's a verse that convicts me at times, but it says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, do what it says. So sometimes knowing the word is, is actually you're deceiving, you're thinking that, that, well, I go to church every week and I hear the word and I, I, I listen, and I, but, but if we don't respond, if we don't respond in faith, then we're just deceiving ourselves. We're just playing church. And, and people who, who live their lives on mission do what it says. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I sold our house and we knew that God was up to something. We just sensed that he wanted us to, to move out of our, our neighborhood and move into more of a, a, a communal living environment. So we, we found a duplex. And um, th- there was a great family that lived upstairs and we, we started to get to know them a little bit. And we realized early on that they weren't churchgoers, uh, They didn't have a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ. And, and so we sort of knew it was like, all right, God, this is it, right? I mean, this is part of the reason that you've called us to be here. And then several months passed and we had great intentions. We thought, well, let's, let's invite him to church or let's kind of spend time. We need to have dinner with them. We need to get together. And, and months started passing and months started passing and nothing really happened. We, we just kind of got busy with life. And finally, we we're like, all right, we gotta do something. We've got to, we can't just be hearers of the word. We gotta be doers of the word. So we just invited him over. Uh, had a little bonfire outside, put the kids to bed and just hung out, hung out around a fire and spent time getting to know him and, and simply just asked him his story. Said, hey man, tell me, tell me about your life. Tell me your story. And in him telling the story, I learned that his family had had a very bad, bad situation that happened at, at church, a bad experience. And his dad made a promise that I'm never gonna expose my kids to this fraud that is church because of the experience that he had. And so it was like, okay. And he said, and I'm carrying that tradition on. I don't take my kids to church. We just don't, we, we aren't the same as you guys on that. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I just learned a lot, understood a lot more about his story. And eventually we kind of started telling our story and, we just got to know them, had a few more of those meals, spent time with them. And then about two weeks before Easter, a couple of years ago, we had a good enough relationship that I was just like, listen, dude, come to church with us on Easter. All right, I know you've had a bad experience, but we're not that crazy, right? We, we know each other, we've spent time, you ought to come. And, and so he was great. He said, you know what, I'll do it. The bad part is I forgot to tell him that it's kind of more casual Seacoast. So he bought his kids all suits. And I mean, they look good though. They came looking good and... Um, and they came and they're probably here today because that day was a divine appointment for their family. Uh, his dad who had the experience and his mom, they came to church with him too and, and they've committed their lives to Christ and that their lives are drastically different because of, and again, this isn't about me, but it's about responding. We gotta take that step. We gotta follow through on those nudges, those divine kind of hunches that the Lord gives us to, to follow through because those of us that wanna live our lives on mission, we've got to respond. So what area is God calling you to respond in faith? What faith step is God calling you to these days? You know, maybe it is with someone that you love. Maybe you've got a a child, a wayward child that's struggling or a wayward parent or, you know, a friend, classmate, roommate, whatever, and, and you know that God's put you in their life for a reason. Is he calling you to kind of take a faith step there? Maybe it would start for you just asking them their story and then maybe slowing down enough to listen to it. That's one of the challenges I think we have in our culture and even in our church culture is that we're so busy, we need to learn to slow down enough and not treat people like they're just speed bumps in our journey, but people are the destination. People are why God has put us here so we could interact with them. And then when they start to tell, listen listen to their story in light of mission. Ask yourself, Lord, what, what's going on here? What are you up to behind the scenes? What's my role? What do you want me, do you want me to just encourage? Do you want me to share my faith? What, you know, what's going on? So just ask them, to share, ask them to share their story and then maybe you share your story when the appropriate time comes. Then make an invitation, maybe it's a meal or into your home or to church, Easter, whatever it might be, but, but, but taking that faith step. And maybe for many of you, it's a, it's a larger faith step. I was just talking to somebody between services here that God called them to a faith step of starting their own business at the beginning of this year. And it had been a dream for a long time you know, they kind of analyzed it to death and kind of made a pathway, but they, they hadn't taken that step. And so I said, how's it going, man? He said, man, it's unbelievable. Like God has just been so faithful to us. And, and maybe that's it. It's an it's a organization he's calling you to start. Or maybe it's a mission or a group that he's calling you to reach. And the only thing standing between you and seeing God move is taking that step of faith, putting yourself out there. So I'd encourage you, if we're gonna be people who make room for mission as we close out this series, that we would, be people who expect divine appointments. We pay attention for them. We also respond in faith. And when we do that, we can experience a third point, which is this. People who make room for mission experience God's provision. Experience God's provision. Honestly, this is my favorite part of the story uh, because this is a part that I never really picked up on until recently. See, in 2 Kings chapter 4, this woman, she's wealthy. She's a landowner, homeowner. She makes room for God. In chapter eight, her story has changed pretty drastically. I wanna read it to you, 2 Kings chapter eight. The Bible circles back around to her story. Says, now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said, she and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. See, this is the first glimpse of God's provision in her life. It's, it's almost like an insider secret, like a, a, tra- like a stock market tip. He's, he's like, listen, the, the, the market's getting ready to crash. You need to get out. And so God had provided her, he protected her from this famine. And so she, she wasn't just a hearer of the word. She responded in faith. She was a doer. She picked up her family and they moved away and lived in the land of the Philistines. It says in verse three, at the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. That's interesting because four chapters earlier, she was a wealthy landowner. Owner, and chapter eight, she's now begging. She's become a beggar. She's, she's going back and, and begging to get her land back. I don't know what happened. I don't know if someone squatted on the land and, and kind of took over it. I don't know if the king government took it back, but she was in a place where she came back and, and her circumstances had changed drastically. How many of you have a testimony that your circumstances can change pretty quickly? You know, can you say recession? She'd experienced a recession of her own. She'd experienced a famine, and her, her circumstances now are completely different. She didn't even need God. Remember, remember in chapter, chapter 4, if you remember this, uh, Elisha came to her and said, what can I do? Can I appeal to the king on your behalf? No, man, I, I got a man that takes care of me. I don't need you. I don't need your help. Man, yeah, I'm just doing this for you. She, she didn't need anything, but her circumstances had changed Drastically, And now she's coming back and she's begging the king to get her stuff back. This is where the story gets pretty crazy. Verse four, the king was talking to Gehazi. Do y'all remember who that is? That's the assistant. The Elisha's kind of right, right-hand man. Says the servant of the man of God and had said, tell me about all the great things Elisha has done. Now, I, I don't know how Eli, uh, this Gehazi handles this, but I'm thinking like, King, where do you want me to start? Like, you wanna hear about all the great things Elisha has done? I, I don't even know where to start. There was this one time, there was this widow and, and she had one jar of oil left and it was running out and she owed a lot of people a lot of stuff and, and all the creditors were coming in, the banknotes notes were coming due and, and she didn't know what to do. So she came to Elisha and said, what should I do? And Elisha goes, hey, put, put all these jars in your house. I want you to find as many jars as you can, put them in your house and and, and, King, you're not going to believe this, but, but Elisha said a word, and miraculously, all these jars start with filling with oil. I mean, she, this, this girl's like a Middle Eastern oil tycoon now. She's got all that she needs, says, for her and her children. It was a miracle. It was a miracle, Your Majesty. It was incredible. And there was another time, there was down in Jericho, uh, we were down there, and, and the river was, had some issues, it was like polluted and people were dying, people were getting sick, women were having miscarriages and the water was just bad and so the town was all getting sick and, and Elisha went over and he just, he dumped some salt in the river and he kind of said a couple of words and all of a sudden the water was purified. I, I mean, the, the entire town of Jericho is healthy now because of this incredible thing that Elisha did. I mean, there's so many stories, King. There was this one time we were out, we were chopping down some firewood and this guy's chopping a tree down and, and the, the ax head of his, of his ax flung off of the ax and fell into a pond or, or a lake, a body of water. And, and this guy starts freaking out. He's like, oh man, this was not mine. I borrowed this ax from my neighbor. What am I gonna do? I'm in trouble, I don't, yeah. And Elisha was like, I'll take care of it. So he grabs a stick and he throws it out in the water where that ax head went in. And all of a sudden this steel ax head floats up to the top of the water. I mean, King, like there's so many cool stories. Ah, oh, there's another one. There's a story about this Shunammite woman this woman couldn't have a baby and, and, and then he spoke and she had a baby and then this baby died and it was kind of crazy and uh, what, what's, up? oh my gosh. King, you're not gonna believe, like, that's her. That's the, I'm not making this up, check this out. It says in, uh, in verse five, just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Is that crazy or what? Like just at the right time. Is that a divine appointment or just a chance encounter? You guys be the judge. And Gehazi said, this is the woman, my Lord. This is her. This is her son whom Elisha has restored to life. So the king asked the woman about it and and she told him the story of what God had done for her. See, if the boy had never died and if she'd never had to experience this famine, this king would have never heard about this great God. And, and sometimes you have to experience a famine or an illness for God to set you up for a breakthrough. And it may be a breakthrough that you don't even think that you need. You don't even know what's coming. I'm just thinking about this. And this king's got to be looking at, at this guy going, you're, you're, uh, I don't know that I believe that. I mean, I'd be kind of wondering. And then all of a sudden this testimony comes in person and he can see and touch and hug and know the story of God. And sometimes the tough stuff that we're going through maybe so that you can one day testify about God's great greatness and goodness that he's done in your life. And then he assigned an official to her case and he said to him, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. You know, I wonder just reading this story, if sometimes obedience isn't about what we can do for God, but it's about what God may want to do for us for the provision that he may want to provide for for his children. You know, this woman, remember, I love that the Bible circles back here because she didn't need anything. She, she, She didn't know that she would ever come to a time in need. She had all that she needed, but God knew that her circumstances could change. And they did, and he wanted to provide for her. See, when we get on board with God's vision for our lives, we can count on his provision. We just can. When, when your dad is, is the creator of the universe, provision is not an issue. He's got, he can set up circumstances. He can put you at the right place at the right time for whatever it is that you need. So oftentimes our response determines our reward. See, God asked her for a room and she gladly gave it. And then he gave her a child. He gave her protection. He gave her all of her land back plus the interest that she would have made on it. She understood a verse that would later be written in Luke 6, 38, Jesus said this. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, she understood that you can't outgive God. Have you ever invested in something that you wish you could have back? You know, maybe uh, those of you that bought houses in 2006 are all kind of nodding your head. Yeah, I remember that. Maybe you bought a timeshare or you, you kind of followed through on a financial tip that, that your neighbor gave you and it just didn't turn out quite how you wanted. Maybe it was an investment of time. Chick flick, you ever done that? Lisa rented a chick flick last night and it was a two out, well, maybe an hour. I fell asleep halfway through, but it was some time I'm never gonna get back. Uh, it, it was a bad investment. I'm just kidding. It was an investment in you, baby. But you know, there, there are no regrets in investing in God's economy. There really aren't. See, if we invest time, money, energy, if we invest our heart in what God's up to, we'll never regret it. When we come to understand that, that this story's not about us, remember, we don't even know our name, but we're living as a part of God's greater story. And we invest in that, we pour our lives into that, we, we, we pour our, everything we've got into that, we, we will have no regrets because our God will provide for everything that we need. And, and don't don't hear me wrong, because this isn't the prosperity gospel I'm talking about. Don't forget, she didn't know, she didn't need anything when she made her act of obedience. But that single act of obedience back in 2 Kings 4 is what set her up to experience God's provision and God's blessing later. She didn't do it because of what she could get out of it. But I want to show you, and the Bible wants to show us that, that God is a God who will provide for you. What kind of provision will he give? Sometimes it's relationships. You know, we talked about making room for relationships, and sometimes it's being able to experience the richness of relationships that so many in our culture miss out on these days. Sometimes it is financial. I mean, he'll take care of our needs. We get to experience God as Jehovah Jireh, which means God, my provider, that he wants to take care of our needs. And sometimes it may just be standing before him one day and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant and living our lives today, knowing that God's smiling on us because we're responding in obedience to whatever it is that he's called us to, but he'll provide for us. So what if, what if, what if you were God's vehicle for a divine appointment? What if thousands of seacoasters left this weekend and just went, you know what, I'm gonna pay attention. I, I'm gonna take you at your word, God, and I'm just, it just might be possible that someone I'm gonna interact with this week, maybe a future leader in the church like Wes Thickway, you know, that, that's just kind of, wandering along and trying to figure out their way. And, and, and I'm believing that maybe a divine appointment, maybe an encounter that I might have with them might, might turn their life around. That God would use us in a powerful way to be a part of His story and bringing redemption to people who are lost. That we would be a part of His mission of seeking and saving those that are lost. We all know people. We all know people that are struggling, that are trying to figure it out. Let's be present to what God's up to and pay attention for those divine appointments and not only pay attention, but then respond in faith and know that we'll experience God's provision along the way. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is just so rich of stories, of uh, just examples of your faithfulness, of your love for us. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this series, uh, this this nugget of scripture in 2 Kings, Lord, that's so relevant to our lives. And I just pray that us as a church, we would be a church that would make room We'd be a church that would make room for relationships. We'd make room for miracles, rest. Lord, generosity, you, we wanna see you move, God. Lord, we wanna see a a move of God in our day that that we've never seen before. So Lord, would you help us to be a people who make room for mission? Lord, who learn to look out and experience divine appointments. And Lord, I pray that you would just do things that we would look back on and go, there's no explanation for that other than you you showed up at the right time, at the right place, and it transformed our lives and others. Lord, that you would fill us with faith, that we, we, we would step out, we would, we would just follow you wherever you lead us and not, not cower back in fear, but be a people who would just live our lives by faith. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you, Lord, that you are the source of everything that we need. And I pray, Lord, that some of us here today need to experience your hand of provision. And I just pray, Lord, that you would provide a divine appointment that would blow their minds in whatever area that we have need, whether it's physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, that you would provide for us. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.